have time to recap the message, but I just want you to know that we, we took the story of Thomas and his claim that unless I see the wounds in his hands, unless I touch the hole in his side, I will not believe. So what does Jesus do? Oh, you keep standing, keep standing, I keep standing. I'll tell you when to sit. It's like, keep standing, keep standing. And so, so Jesus is just like, okay, I got you, I got you. I'll do what you need. I'll, I'll, do it. I'll, I'll give you what you need. I will show up and I will meet the need. But here's what he says in verse 29. This is where we left off last week. Jesus told Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Guess who that is? That's us. Thank you, Ms. Tracy. That's us. I have not seen, but I still believe. I love what John says next right here. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not even recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, Yeshua, the anointed one, the son of God. And that by believing, check this out, by believing you may have life in the name of Yeshua. You have life. Believers in the house, can you just throw up your hands right now and make yourself identifiable? I believe. I believe. I. Maybe you don't know this, but if we remove the miracles from Christianity, we're just another world religion. But it's the miracles that are proof that God is a miracle worker. Today, somebody help me preach my subject for today. I still believe miracles still happen. Miracles still happen. Miracles still happen. Amen. Before you're seated, before you're seated, before you're seated, if you don't believe me that miracles still happen, Karina, give me that quick image right there. If you don't believe miracles still happen, don't let anyone tell you tacos don't work miracles. Come on, somebody. Look at that guy. Come on, somebody. If tacos can do that for your faith, what can the most high God do in your life today? Come on and say amen. Before you return to your seats, grab like two or three people and just shake them and tell them miracles still happen. Miracles still happen. Miracles still happen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles again, let's, let's jump back into the Word of God here. Let's continue on. We just read John 20. Let's go into John 21, the next chapter. John 21. It says this in verse 1. It says, after obviously this appearance that Jesus just did with his disciples and with Thomas present this time, verse, 20, uh, verse 1 of chapter John. Let me say that again. John chapter 21, verse 1. There we go. Shouldn't be that difficult. I've been doing this for a while. John 21, verse 1 says, Later, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples were together. And Peter says this. He says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go out and fish. I am going fishing. And so they said, well, We'll go with you. We'll go with you. So they went out, they got into the boat. Check this out. But that night, they caught nothing. Someone say that's a big fat zero for them, okay? They caught nothing, nothing. Now, here's what I want to do. Before I dig into, into John 21, can you humor me for, I don't know, however long it takes me to do this. Can we go to Luke 5 for a few minutes? Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. One day... As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, 
great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Now look what Jesus does next. This, is, this has got to be illegal. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Obviously, this was twofold. It was both so he could be more visible and, and so he could be more vocal. Okay? The, the acoustics on the water allowed his voice to carry to the crowds that were there. So I was pushed out just a little bit and he's teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deep. Put out, or literally what he's saying is put out into the deep water. Let down your nets to catch some fish. But master, Simon replied, we worked hard. Literally, we toiled all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'm a King James boy, but at your word, at your word, I will let down the nets again. Can you help me right now? Let's probe this word. Father, I thank you for the eternal word of the scriptures that is life. Not just to those who hear, but to those who do. I believe today, Lord, that what you are wanting to do for this congregation is graduate us from just coming to church and hearing sermons. Father, you are elevating us to a place of now doing what the word says. Because the blessings don't come from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. The blessings come from the obedience of doing your word. So let your kingdom come, as we just sang. Let your will be done. Let your word produce life in the hearer's hearts today. If you believe in miracles, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe the word is true, come on and put your hands together and say amen today. Amen. If you allow me here, what I want to do is I kind of want to, I want to show you the, the correlation between John 21 and Luke 5. What we have here in both references is, is we're going to see Peter fishing and catching nothing. And, and many of you, 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 today you feel just like Peter did that day. Literally everything in your life is coming up empty. Someone say empty. Empty. I've got an empty boat. I've got an empty net. And maybe you don't have those things anymore, but you've got an empty wallet. You've got an empty bank account, right? Good Lord, it's the end of the month. Lord Jesus, let tomorrow come quickly. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you've, got, you've got empty dreams, empty goals, empty relationships. You've got an empty heart and and maybe you're this way. Have you ever given your best to something, given your best to someone, but all you got in return was emptiness, nothingness? And, and hear, what, hear what I mean. When I say have you given your best to something, I don't mean to those of you who have done a half-butt job at something. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like some of you do with your homework and some of you do with your job and, and some of you do with your marriage and some of you do with your prayer life. You, you half butt it, and then you get mad because things didn't turn out the way you expected. That's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, have you ever felt like Peter? Well, you worked hard. You worked, you toiled, you strained, you stressed all night long, and you caught nothing. I've got nothing to show for my work. I've got nothing in my bank account. I've got nothing in my refrigerator. I've, I, I've got nothing happening in my love life. I've got, I've got no job. I've got no money. I've got no joy. In my church, I'm not seeing a move of God. I have worked hard. I have prayed hard. I have fought hard, and I've got nothing to show for it. And Peter tells Jesus, he says, look, we have worked all night long. 
The, the Greek here means that they, they labored or wore themselves out. Literally, they were exhausted, and we've got nothing to show for our efforts. What does Peter say after, after he complains? He says, but if you say so, literally at your word, at your command. Let me, let me illustrate this. I'm the kind of dad, that when I tell my kids to do something, I expect them to do it. I'm not like some of you. I can't count till 20 until they get around to it. You could have got it done by yourself at that point. I'm the kind of dad that when I tell my kids to do something, I have an expectation. You're going to do what I tell you to do. And I only have one child who shall go unnamed who always asks the question, why? Maybe you've got a, a quiver full of them, but I've got one. And this child says, why? And I got four words for you. Because I said I'm about to help a parent in this house today. Because I said so. Why do I have to put back out in the deep? You don't know how hard I've worked and everything I've given up. Oh, I'll tell you why. Because I said so. I need you to do something by faith right now. And just shake your neighbor next to you and let them know miracles still happen. And if he tells you to do something, just do it. Because he said so. I've got, I've got a revelation for you here today. Your situation is about to shift when you catch the revelation. It is not about what you do. It's about what he said. I will launch out. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. I can do this because he said so. I need some believers to put a praise on this word right now. I hold to this truth. I do it because he said so. Here's what he tells me. He says, go onto the deep waters for a catch. And your boy Petey, what does Petey catch? He catches an attitude. <laughs> He's like, Lord, I know what he wanted to say. Pastor Lucilla, welcome. Welcome to Pastor. All of our family that came from Chicago today, we love you all. God bless you. <laughs> Peter, I believe Pastor Lucilla, I believe that Peter wanted to say this. Lord? Which one of us is the fisherman? Which one of us is the professional? Which one of us toiled all night and caught nothing? Peter was smart. He caught the attitude, but he didn't let certain things slip out of his mouth. Listen to me, teenagers. It is okay to think it, but do not let it go from here to here. Because if you was my child, you're going to catch one of these right there. I love you. Oh, this ain't, oh my God, he's, he, he's condoning child violence. No, I'm, I'm condoning discipline. I'm trying to raise disciples. Not some other D words. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Peter catches his attitude, and I'm sure he wanted to say, look, I, I've done this all night, and I've got nothing. But maybe you didn't know this about what God. With God, nothing is impossible. Let me explain a little bit simpler. Nothing is actually the starting point for overflow. When am I ever going to get my abundance? When am I ever going to get my breakthrough? When am I ever going to get my healing? Start with nothing. Because God can look at nothing and say, let there 
B. Ooh. And then nothing becomes the starting point for everything. This is how it works with my God. And I see this pattern in Scripture time and time and time again. Peter's like, I've got nothing. Oh, but God's like, hey, look, my highest glory is typically reserved for your lowest moments. Those places where you're facing a Red Sea, and I don't know how I'm going to get past this. Those places where you're staring down a a giant named Goliath, and I don't know how I'm going to win this. Those places where you're looking at your boat and your net after you've worked all night, and you've got nothing to show for it but empty nets and empty stomachs. And it's when Peter is at his lowest moment that Jesus says something so ridiculous. Let down your nets for a catch. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, you serve a God that can turn your disappointments into divine appointments. This is what I was looking for right here. This moment when you've got nothing at all, when all you've got is weeping and sorrow, you serve a God, the psalmist said in Psalms 30, who can turn your mourning into joyful dancing. This is what he does. Miracles still happen. Because I know this, Jesus knew how hard Peter worked. Jesus knew how hard Peter struggled. Can I tell you, he knows how hard you're struggling. He knows how hard you're praying. He he knows what you have sacrificed along the way, and he knows right now you've got nothing to show for it. But I came to declare that today is a brand new day in your life, and I feel the issue from heaven being sent forth to your heart just like it was to Peter. Even though it looks like you failed, even though it looks like you've got nothing to show for it, Jesus is here to let you know, go ahead and launch out again. Go ahead and push out into the deep again. Go ahead and throw Throw your nets out for a catch again. And Peter says, I don't want to, but at your word. I don't want to do this, but at your word. I'll try again. I've said this for years, so if you're taking notes, write this down if you never did. I'll give it to you again. Today, if you need a ridiculous blessing, if I need a ridiculous blessing, I might have to use ridiculous obedience. Ah. Listen to me. Even the unnamed child, when that child says, why? The blessing comes from obeying. Yes, do what I said. Don't make me say it again. Because the blessings follow the obedience. I don't care if you've got a bad attitude. I'm still going to bless the obedience. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. The blessing follows the obedience. I don't like it. I don't feel like it. I don't want to launch out again. Okay. Uh, let me say it like this. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Michael Velasquez. I hate working out. Michael loves it. I hate working out. But, but, but you know what I've learned? I don't have to feel like working out in order for my muscles to ultimately receive the benefit of working out. I'm getting older. Help me, Jesus. And what used to be Slim's pickings all the time is now like... I'm I'm just drinking too many sugary drinks. Good Lord, help me, Jesus. I don't like working out, but I realize my muscles don't have have to enjoy it to receive the benefit from it. Those of you who come to church, you don't like giving. You don't like serving. You don't have to like it. It's when you obey it and do it that you receive the benefit from it. Uh, let me just say to you, how, how many of you just didn't feel like coming to church today? I just didn't feel like it. It's okay. It's okay. Just be honest. 
I do not feel like coming to church today. I mean, I see it back there. I don't want to raise it too high, but yeah. It's not like God didn't know how you were feeling this morning. Come on, somebody. Can't lie to him. I didn't feel like coming to church, but guess what? I don't have to feel like coming to church in order for God to bless me while I'm in his presence. In fact, those of you who didn't feel like it, I've said this before, but I believe this. Literally, you are going to get the greatest blessing today because you didn't feel like it, but that's what's called a sacrifice of praise. I came anyway to give God what he is worthy of. What I'm simply saying is I don't have to start consulting my feelings anymore because the foundation of my life is my faith. So Peter says, at your word, I will. At your word, I will. Somebody try this for just a moment. At your word, I will. Come on, that ain't going to convince a devil at all. Come on, help me. At your word, I will. I need you to convince your unbelieving, sarcastic mind right now and say, at your word, I will. And so he does what Jesus commands him to do. He throws down his nets again. Now look at verse 6 with me. And at this time, their nets were so full of fish that the nets began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Literally, in one act of obedience to a ridiculous instruction, Peter went from nothing to way too much. Somebody hear me in your spirit. Literally, Peter's obedience led to such a ridiculous blessing that he had to involve his, his partners. Why? Because he couldn't contain it all. In other words, somebody else got blessed because Peter obeyed. Would you please poke your neighbor and ask them, is your disobedience delaying my blessing? I need to know. I'm waiting on something from God. I'm ready for the overflow. I'm ready for the abundance. I'm hungry. I was out here all night long, and I've got nothing to show for it. Maybe if you start obeying, I can receive the overflow of the blessing. That doesn't happen anymore, Pastor. Oh, really? Really? Oh, really? You mean to tell me that every time God doesn't bless you, somebody else is impacted by it? Say, what? There is an overflow of blessing God is ready to bring into the lives of those who obey. Obey. I don't mean to belabor this, but we're living in a day and age where we no longer believe. And that's why we don't obey. I'm not saying we don't come to church. I'm saying we don't believe. Look at me. 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 The reason you don't give is not because you don't got it. It's because you don't believe. That's why. That's all it is. Oh, what's Pastor going to do with the money? Come, come find out. I'll show you. Come find out. Come, come, come see what you don't give and what it doesn't do for the kingdom of God. Come on. Come on. We don't worship not because we're not singing these awesome songs. We don't worship because we don't believe. We don't believe. In this moment, Peter's belief produced obedience, and the obedience produced a blessing. My God, in 2023, I've been declaring this since January. We call it our goat year. The goat year. We're believing it's our greatest year of all time. 
I still believe, even four months in, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> Let me finish this story. I get it. Come on, Pastor. Hurry up. Okay. Verse 8. Verse 8. When Simon Peter realized, check this out, when he realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And thank God for those who still know how to fall the right way. I'm not, I'm not hammering those of you who keep falling into sin. I'm saying some of us have learned how to fall the right way. Right? Just fall before the Lord and say, Lord, please, please. Peter's telling him, get away from me. I, I'm a sinful man. Get away. Don't, don't hang around me. Because I, I, I didn't want to believe. I, I didn't think it was possible. I obeyed, but I wasn't sure. I'm, I'm a sinful man. Get, a, get away from me. And aren't you so glad that Jesus hears Peter's request? But does the exact opposite of Peter's request? Look at verse 10 with me. Jesus said to Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. King James, you will be a fisher of, of men. Jesus is saying this, look, Peter, I'm not going anywhere, bro. I am right here with you. And, and instead, not only am I not going to leave you, but I'm going to show you what I put inside of you. You thought your profession was just to fish. I was using it as preparation for the greater purpose I place within you. You are going to be a fisher of men. Can I tell you that Jesus already knows what is in you, the good and the bad, the talent and the weakness. He already knows about the trauma and the testimony. And will somebody help me praise the God who does not limit his recruiting to only the people who are holy, who are strong, who are righteous, who are wealthy, who are educated, Jesus has been known to climb into the boats of saints and sinners, climbing the nightclubs and church services. Jesus has been known to show up wherever you are, and I praise him today because he knows what's on the inside of me, and yet he still picks me anyway. Thank you, Jesus. You choose me anyway. My God. Y'all know about Peter. Peter's crazy. Peter's crazy. He's the dude chopping off people's ears while Jesus was you know, just finished praying. He's the dude hanging around the campfire cussing with profanity, Paul. That's from last week. Last week. Go back and watch the message. You catch what I'm saying? I'm just kidding, Paul. I don't know if Paul squares it out. I'm just kidding. I don't know. No. Lord cleanse his mouth in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever. Okay. But Petey's crazy, and here's Jesus telling him, I know what's in you, and I still choose you. Come and follow me. Look, 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 at, look at verse 11. And as soon as they landed, they left, someone say this next word, everything. Everything. This is their profession. This is their business. This is their livelihood. This is how they feed their families. And now they just had the greatest catch of their lives. And it says on the same day that they had their best day ever, doing the thing they did the best, Jesus calls them, follow me. And they leave everything behind. What? Does this make sense to you? I know I've been preaching a long time, but on the surface, does this make sense? 
I just got the hookup. I've got so much, I don't even know what I'm going to do with it all. I'm going to turn around and sell this and make bank. It's going to be amazing. The overflow that's going to come for this bad boy. Wow. And now I'm going to leave it all to follow a, a, a man who illegally jumped in my boat in the first place? Can I tell you this? Following Jesus won't always be comfortable but it will be a higher calling. Maybe let me ask you this. Do you just want the fish or do you want the favor of the almighty God? You might not have to walk away from a boat, but I believe Jesus is calling us all away from something. He's calling you away from your old life. Some of you has been calling you away from your old mindset for a while. Others, he's been calling you away from, from old habits. Some of us, he's been calling us away from our treasured possessions. And in exchange, what does he want to give you? An abundant life in following after him. Now, like Peter, we can start out and, and say, absolutely. I, I'm eager to fall. I'm excited to fall. If this, guy can, if this guy can literally, the first miracle I see is he can, he can bless me in abundance. What else can he do? I'm eager to follow him. As this is like so many Christians when we first get saved, we're so passionate, so joyful, so excited. Literally, you, you were posting nonsense last week and, and, and you know, your, your club pictures and, and, and the things you was doing and, and wearing and, and a little too much flesh is showing, but, but then you find Jesus. Ooh, my God. The transformation that began to happen. Thank you. We don't even see your beautiful face anymore because you're posting the word of God. And you, you're retweeting your pastor. Do we still tweet anymore? You, you, you're reposting your pastor. And he's like, hey, look at look, look what God has done in my life. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I'm so overjoyed. Do I have any witnesses when you first got saved? You are so excited. Nothing could keep you silent. Ask the ushers, can you go tell them to calm it down a little bit? I won't ever do that to you. I'm just letting you know, okay? You. But, but there was that joy, that passion that overflowed. And, and maybe just like Peter, weeks have turned into months. Months have turned into years. Years have turned into, dare I say, decades. You can't even remember the last time you were passionate for Christ. You can't even remember the last time you, you prayed, restoring to me the joy of my salvation. And now, you used to be so close, used to be so tight, and now you follow at a distance. Let me give you what I mean. Matthew 26, verse 57 says, those who had arrested Jesus led him away. Look at verse 58. But Peter followed at a distance. You used to be like Peter with all that passion for Christ. And now you're just like Peter, just following at a distance. And just like Peter, I believe Satan is trying to speak to you and he keeps telling you you've done way too much wrong now. You've failed too many times. You can hear the enemy telling you God doesn't even want you anymore. 
But on the flip side of that, I want you to know there's a God in heaven who is speaking to you just like he did Peter. And he keeps telling you this. Do not be afraid. You are still the person I want to use to advance my kingdom. If you are distant from God today, I believe he's here and he's saying in the immortal words of the Jackson 5, I want you back. I want you back. I hear the voice of God in heaven telling you, I want you back. And how do I know that? How do I know God is saying that today? Because of what happened three years after the events in Luke 5. Peter says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Jesus says, nope. I choose you. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And Peter follows Jesus. What happens three years later? We just see Jesus is on trial. He's been arrested, falsely accused. Now they're beginning to mock him and beat him. They're pulling the beard out of his face. They're punching him repeatedly. They begin to just treat this man like a criminal. And there's Peter at a distance, standing around a campfire. He's cussing, he's lying. And he's denying that he even knows who Jesus is three times. Hours later, Jesus is dead on a cross. And I wonder if Peter's thinking to himself, I've messed up. It's all over. It's too late to fix my failures. That was Friday. And I always try to tell you, don't get stuck in Saturday. Because Sunday's coming. Pastor, Resurrection Sunday was three weeks ago. No, resurrection is every single day of your walk with Christ. And in that moment, on Resurrection Sunday, Peter sees Jesus. And guess Guess what time this is for Peter to see Jesus? This is the third time Jesus has shown himself to a man who denied him three times. Whew, I love this about my Savior. Maybe just, do, what, let me ask you this. What do you do when you know what Jesus did for you, but you can't get over what you did to Jesus, and now you're not sure what you're going to do next? What do you do? Let me tell you what you do. You go. Wait, I'm supposed to take a Sunday off and go fishing, Pastor? Look at the text. You go fishing. John 21 again. Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the two other disciples were there. I'm going fishing, Peter said. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got to a boat, but by night they caught nothing. I've already read that part. That's why I did it fast. Number Verse four. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize or realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, Caught anything? Do you have any fish? No, they answered. So he said, all right, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Wait a second. 
Didn't you just read this in Luke 5? Yes, because miracles still happen. They, it can be three years from the last one, but miracles still happen. And you need to see this in the text right here. The greater miracle was not all the fish that they caught again. The greater miracle was Jesus recreating the same miracle so he could recapture the heart of Peter. I promise you, Jesus will do whatever it takes to recapture those who used to be tight, used to be close, but now stand at a distance. I'll recreate it to recapture you again. Let me say it like this. I love how Peter says this. He says, I'm going fishing. I grew up in, in, in Pentecostal church. I've heard many messages on this, on this exact text. And I've heard preachers say, when Peter says, I'm going fishing, what they do is they use this passage as a means to kind of pick on Peter. And, and they say stuff like, the reason Peter went back to fishing is because Peter wanted to go back to his lifestyle of sin. What? Michael, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, but where do I read that in the text? Where does it say that Peter went back to the meth lab? Where, where does it say that Peter went back to his, his thug life? Well, where does it say that, that Peter went, went, went back to, to, to living in affairs and, 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 and watching pornography? Where does it say that? Here's what it says. It said, Peter says, I'm going fishing, bro. That's it. I'm just going fishing. And I believe this. He's going fishing not because he wants to go back to his lifestyle sin. He's going fishing because brother still has to eat. Unless man is going to come pouring out of heaven, I've got to go and get something to eat. And the other disciples are like, bro, we're hungry, man. Let's go. Let's go get something. We're all going fishing. Now, wait a second. Wait a second. Was Peter fishing because he lost his faith? Or was Peter fishing so he could find it again? Ah, there's a reason why I read to you two different texts. There's a reason why I've made this service a little bit longer than I typically do when I'm preaching, not during my altar call time, mind you. Because Peter said, I remember three years ago to Luke 5, the very first time I let Jesus use my boat. Maybe Peter's saying, no, I'm not giving up. Maybe Peter's just simply saying, I'm going back. I'm going fishing because I was fishing when Jesus found me. I was fishing when Jesus chose me. I was fishing when Jesus called me. Maybe, just maybe, you think there's no way back for you. Maybe other people have told you there is no way possible you can get back to where God once had you. Maybe, just maybe, even Satan is telling you you're a failure and it is final. But this is Peter showing up in John 21 just to let you know if you will go back to the place where you saw him do a miracle, if you will go back to that place of childlike faith, if you will go back to that place of God, I will serve you and follow you with all passion, with all determination. If you will just simply go back to the place of believing in miracles, I'm trying to tell you, I believe you will find whatever you are fishing for. You will find 
what you are searching for. I know this here today. If you're looking for a reason to be upset, the enemy will help you find 60 of them. Say, we'll throw all kinds of things at you. You're a failure. You're a loser. You're a sinner. But I hear a God in heaven that lets you know if you're fishing for a reason to believe, if you're fishing for a reason to serve, if you're fishing for a reason to praise, you will find it if you if you just keep believing. Somebody in this place, take a moment right now and let your breath do what it was created to do. Let everything that has breath, don't stare at me. Throw up your hands and praise ye the Lord. I find what I'm fishing for. I find what I'm searching for. I want a reason to be heartbroken. I'll go home today and put on some Adele. I will find what I'm fishing for. Come on, somebody. I want to find a reason to keep unforgiveness in my heart. I will find 70 times seven reasons to not forgive. Somebody help me. Don't stare at me. Help me. I know what the verse says. It says to do the exact opposite. It says to forgive 70 times seven. I know what it says. But you find what you're fishing for. <sighs> Pastor Lucilla, this is what I love about this text. Because Peter's not the only one fishing. Verse 7. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved. That's, that's just John. No, he's just talking highly of himself. The disciple whom Jesus loved. He says to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken off. And he jumped, dove into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not that far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Check it out. Filet fish sandwiches on the fire. Whew. Pastor Betha, was Peter the only one fishing that day? Or do you find what you're fishing for? <laughs> I can feel the spirit of the living God in this place. He's pulling some of you in. See, I, I, get, I get you thought you were just coming to church. You had no idea God was drawing you and reeling you in. <laughs> you, <laughs> there's a God here today who's drawing you. There's a God here today who wants you to live in forgiveness. He wants you to live in freedom. There's a God here today who wants you to try again, believe again, hope again, launch out again. Somebody put your hand together and help me praise the God who is reeling us in. He's drawing us. Stand your feet with me. Stand your feet with me. Stand your feet with me. I recognize many of you have failed. Look at me. So have I. I have failed God. Look at me. Look at me. I'm a pastor. I have failed God in my attitude. I have failed God in my speech. I have failed God in my heart. I have failed God in my faith. I, I, I have stood at different pulpits over almost three decades of preaching 
and I have failed God time and time again. And if I chose to listen to the enemy, I would have given up a long time ago. But Pastor Lucille, this is for you and your congregation here today. I hear the voice of God speaking to you from the shore and telling you, go ahead and try again. Because what you've been searching for, I've already got it here. And I can sense his love drawing you, pulling you, reminding you, I've already got everything you need right here. To everyone else in this room, your failure isn't final. Let me say it again. Thank you for that amen, Paul. Your failure isn't final. It's not. Because you can still do this. And as long as that motion is still happening internally in your respiratory system, there is still an opportunity to find forgiveness for your failure. Three times he denies. Three times Jesus appears. And three times he says, Peter, do you love me? Not three moments of embarrassment. Three moments of restoration. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? And by the third time, Peter finally caught on. Somebody said, it takes me a little while. Come on. By the third time, what Jesus says to him recaptures him and restores. I'm not trying to preach to you about miracles. I'm trying to preach, preach to you about the miracle worker. I'm not, I'm not telling you to just believe because you want blessing. I'm telling you to believe because he is the blesser. And what he wants, what he wants, what he's fishing for is for fishers of men. Peter wasn't the only one fishing that day. I see Jesus show up. And in this case, he, he hooks Peter. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? I love how just like a fish jumping into a boat, Peter's like a fish jumping out of a boat. And Jesus reels him into shore. It's in that moment that Peter finds restoration. For everything his failures told him, it's final. Jesus says, not as long as I'm alive. And I once was dead, but now I live forevermore. Pastor Lucilla, when, when people in Chicago ask you what you did this weekend, this is for everybody. When people ask you what you did this weekend, just tell them, I went fishing. And when they say, well, what did you catch? You tell them, I caught joy. I caught hope. I caught faith. I caught victory. I caught peace. I caught belief. I caught a miracle. I caught a blessing. I caught the hand of Almighty God. I caught everything I needed. A good measure. Press down, shake it together, and run it over. Kind of blessing came into my life. I caught what I needed. Somebody here today, I believe you're going to leave this place with your nets full. I, I don't mean your bank account. I mean your faith. I mean your hearts. I mean your hope. I mean your belief system. You're going to leave with it full. You're going to begin to trust God for the impossible. So when I say when pigs fly, you'll be like, just wait, Pastor. It might happen on Friday. It, might, it just might happen. It just might. I believe in a wonder-working God. Right now with your hands lifted to the Lord with me, just lift your hands to heaven.
I'm not asking you to do this to be religious. I'm asking you to do this as an act of surrender. Throw those hands up to heaven. Today, we're going to firstly surrender our failures. That's the first thing. I got to give over my failures. I got to give over how I, how I keep beating myself up. I got to give over the deceit and the lies of Satan that I have bought into. That I don't deserve forgiveness. That I don't deserve restoration. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I ask that you would hear us. And come on, somebody. Let God know, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor. You have a mediator, the high priest, Jesus Christ. Right now, we say your failures aren't final. Give it to me. Give it to me. I give to you my weakness. I surrender to you my struggle. I hand over to you my failures and my mistakes. Ah, and I believe today you're going to remove from me every moment of failure in my past. And you're going to help me to believe again. I can do what you called me to do. I can be who you called me to be. He already knows everything inside you anyway, so you might as well just confess it. Here it is, Lord. I confess my sins. I confess my inabilities. I confess my shortcomings. I confess my transgressions. I confess my failures and mistakes. I confess them to you. Heal me today. Take away the lustful sins. Take away the greed. Take away the anger that causes me to say things and do things I don't mean. Take away the jealousy. Take away the envy. Take away the, the, the hatred. Take away the unforgiveness. I surrender it to you. Take away the racism. Take away the division. Take it away from my life. Take away those things I wish I still had, but I know I don't need anyway. God, take away the desire. Break the addiction. Break it over my life so I can live free and I can be restored. Somebody's getting a, somebody's getting a full restoration right now. I sense it in this house. David, give me just a little bit more. I sense restoration happening in this house. You may have denied him three times. You may have denied him 3,000 times. But I sense a restoration happening in this house because he's reeling you so he can restore you. I said he's reeling you so he can restore you. He is drawing you so he can deliver you. And if you will draw near to God, he will draw near to you. God, I thank you today. It's happening. It is happening.